You've been sold the idea that financial independence is all about some number on your account statement. Or even worse, that you don't qualify because of where you started out. That's just not true. It's not about some well-kept secret of the wealthy. It's about finding the right information and knowing how to apply it. On the Get Ready for the Future show, we're answering your questions so you can start making real financial change today. The journey to true financial independence begins right here, and it starts with you. Helping you clear a path to true financial independence. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Welcome aboard for another edition. My name is Scott Inman, along with Janet Walker, as we answer your questions. That's how we help you begin the path to true financial independence. Tell us what's on your mind, and we know things are on your mind. We've got some great questions today, Janet. We're going to dive into things like Social Security, uh, inflation, and... uh, Budgeting, budgeting. Yeah, we're all over the all over the place yeah, today. Yeah, budgeting sounds like a, a whole lot of fun. Don't it? turn it off. Don't turn it off. A lot of people just went budgeting. Oh no. Oh wah, no. Wah. Yeah. It was a it was a legit question that yeah. you know we need to talk through, so it doesn't have to be a bad topic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's dive right in. Then first up is Ashley from Little Rock, and she says, "I'm 47, and I know it's a little early, but I want to start thinking about retirement planning. What mistakes do I need to avoid?" And what should I take into account before getting started? First of all, Ashley, I just want to give you kudos for thinking about this before age 50. Uh, Scott, a lot of times people are not really thinking about retirement um, this early and and while we really want you know people to start thinking about it when they get their first paycheck, we also know that that's not ideal. So we're glad that you're looking into this now. So kudos to you, Ashley, for for getting started on this. So we've obviously there are a lot of things that you really need to avoid. Uh, we would narrow this down to about three things that we'll kind of go through with you. One of them is to avoid overspending. When you get into your your 40s and your 50s, you you get to a point where, regardless of what your career path has been, you're making more money probably than you ever have in your life. And there is a tremendous tendency to uh, want to keep up with the Joneses. As I say that, Scott, I realize that's a phrase that we used to say all the time, and I haven't heard it in a minute. So I'm assuming that our listeners understand that Keeping Who are the Joneses? Up, yeah, keeping up with the Joneses is like, oh, hey, honey, did you notice our neighbor's got a new car and ours is eight years old? We need a new car. Or, you know, whatever it is that you notice that other people in your circle or in close proximity to your circle, these people are doing something that you're not doing, taking more vacations or more elaborate vacations or they have a bigger house or whatever. You stay on your path, whatever your path needs to be, and don't judge your success or failure in life by what other people are doing. So be careful to not overspend and not stretch yourself too thin uh, on the, the size house you have, the type of vehicle you drive. That list goes on and on, Scott. Yeah, and in this day of social media, it is much easier to fall into those traps. Yes. There's no question about it. You're not just looking across the street at your neighbor. Yeah. You, you're reading Facebook or you're looking at Facebook and everybody lives their best lives on Facebook, yeah. right? And it is real tempting to think about, well, I'm going to start doing those things too. And it, and you know, I'll point out, it's not even that you can't do them. It's just it can't be at the sacrifice of what yes. you're doing in your retirement planning. Yeah, I would agree. So when you come, when you come, when it comes back to the planning part of this, how much do you need to be contributing to reach your goals? So when you talk about being 47, it's certainly not too early to think about, well, what kind of income am I going to want to live on? 
in retirement and how much do, uh, do I need to have saved and invested to be able to provide myself that income? Once you have those answers, you'll know that you're on track and then you'll have, then you'll know what kind of cash flow you have in addition to that potentially to buy those things and to live uh, the, the lifestyle that you want. Go ahead. So, so another mistake to avoid for you, Ashley, at this point is to uh, failing to prepare for the unexpected. A lot of times people are just looking at, you know, so far life has been good. So we're going to assume that life is going to continue to be good. We want to think about what if things don't go as planned. Uh, and so uh, this, this is an area where you need to look at life insurance and estate planning. And I know that you asked about retirement and if, if all goes as planned and you have the opportunity to retire, then the life insurance aspect is a moot point. Estate planning would still need to be done anyway, but you may get to a point where you don't need life insurance later on. But at this point, I'm making some assumptions here. Most people in their 40s have a family that is dependent upon their income. And if that is the case, then this is not just about your retirement in the future. It is also about your family being able to continue in their lifestyle and their manner of living if something happens to you sooner than anticipated. So being sure that you prepare for the unexpected is very important. And I think it would be easy for, easy for Ashley to hear that, Janet, and say, okay, well, I've got life insurance. Where yeah. does it exist? Because most people have it through a group plan. Right. Right. Uh, with their employer. And that's great. We certainly recommend that. It's typically the cheapest route to get some pretty good coverage, but you have to know whether or not that's portable if you don't keep your job. And, and whether or not it's enough, yeah. Scott. Yep. This is this is a big deal to me. I, I remember, and this has been years ago, but still, I, I think the conversation is, is very relevant. I was traveling, I was in a hotel room, and just you know bored and like okay what's on tv i start flipping channels and it was some show i think like 60 minutes and they were doing the promo for the show that they were about to do and they were talking about somebody who had supposedly killed their spouse and the announcer said for a quarter of a million dollars in life insurance like it was the biggest amount of money ever known to man worth killing for apparently. yeah uh, oh my gosh and and I thought about it and I was like, okay, number one, I, I, I hate that this occurred. Yeah. Um, but number two, if this person really did that for the life insurance, even if they got away with it, oh my gosh, what a mistake. Mm-hmm. Because if, and I don't have any idea how much Ashley makes, but we're just going to go for nice round figures. Let's say that Ashley makes $50,000 a year. And if something happens to Ashley, that that is the amount of money that needs to be replaced to her family. She might actually gross more than that, but that's the amount of money that needs to be replaced. Well, $250,000 life insurance policy is just five years worth of that. And at 47, you have more than five years of earnings left in front of you. We would look at how much needs to be replaced, and it's not 100% of somebody's income, but if you needed to replace $50,000, that is 5% of a million dollars. You need to have a million dollar life insurance policy if the income that needs to be replaced for your family is $50,000 a year. So it is it is critically important to protect your family's future 
so that if something goes awry in your plan, that they are still okay to maintain their standard of living. A couple of final things to talk about for Ashley, who's asking about not making mistakes, uh, avoiding mistakes, what uh, what to take into account as she begins to think about retirement planning. And, and that's not going it alone. You know, we mentioned the planning process, and, and obviously mm-hmm. that takes place with a trusted financial advisor at your side. You know, you think about the things that you might do yourself, Ashley, and you, maybe you're very good at some things. You know, maybe maybe if your car b- breaks down, you repair it yourself. Probably not likely. I don't do that. Yeah, I, I don't anymore. We, nope. <laughs> especially with cars as complicated yeah. as they are in the computer uh, age that, that we're in, I always seek out an expert's uh, opinion, advice, and expertise uh, when it comes to uh, their field. Yeah. And I think this is very important here to not try to walk into retirement or even really plan on uh, going into retirement by yourself. You know, this is this is an area where uh, we eat our own cooking, if you will. Um, we are we're looking at, you know, how do you transition a company o- over the years to the next generation from the founding owners? How do you do that? And that's something that that we're reaching out, you know, a decade and more in advance of that date to go, okay, what does this look like? How do we plan for that? And and there are countless people in the industry who say, you know, most people don't reach out that far in advance, but you're going to be well prepared for having done so. And and that's the same is true on an individual retirement basis. The sooner that you reach out and seek that wise counsel, the sooner you can be sure that you're on the right track for you. Let me add one to to the list that we had here uh, for Ashley before we move on. And I think a mistake, especially with where we are right now in the market, can be being afraid of the stock market. You know, you Mm -hmm. think about 47, and I think it typically happens a little closer to retirement. We see people come in here all the time with uh, they've really taken the risk off of the table on on what they've saved because they know retirement is coming and they think of retirement as a full stop when it comes to risk that I've got to preserve every penny of this immediately and not put any risk on the table. You may not be there, Ashley, at 47 if you think you're still 10, 15 years out from retiring, but it can start to, if you've accumulated much wealth at all over that period of time, it hurts. It hurts to see that value go back down. But I think I would encourage her to not be fearful of the stock market during times of volatility, which we are in right now, and keep buying inside of an employer plan, inside of an IRA, inside of a Roth IRA. Keep buying because you're getting a discount. It's the concept known as dollar cost averaging. You can accumulate more shares when the values are lower. All right, our thanks to Ashley. And if you've got questions for us here on the Get Ready for the Future show, you can call or you can text them to us at 501 381 5228. Again, that number is 501-381-5228. And perhaps you'll hear your question answered on the air. We don't talk about another way that you can actually uh, ask a question, but we got it anyway. Yeah. We, we are Our video version of the Get Ready for the Future show is on YouTube, and we actually got a question from Hope through YouTube. Hope, congratulations. You're our first. First one. I mean, we don't have anything, but congratulations anyway. You get to say, <laughs> I'm the first person to send in a question through YouTube to the Get Ready for the Future show. So thank you so much for doing that. So here it is. Hope asks, I am 59, going to be 60, and will apply to see if I can get my husband's Social Security or widow's benefits and save mine. And I have one question. I adopted two kids, which are my grandchildren after my husband passed away. 
So my question is, can my grandchildren get some of my Social Security? Can I apply for them to get Social Security? This is happening more and more uh, often. We, I have, yeah. uh, I have Tim and I have clients uh, where this is uh, the case. There, there was a uh, the grandparents had adopted the grandchildren. The grandfather was taking Social Security benefits on his own and receiving them for the children, and then he passed away, and the benefits went up because it transitioned from drawing off of his benefit to drawing a survivor's benefit. A little mm-hmm. bit different situation, but same concept. We know, uh, Janet, that more and more grandparents are raising their grandchildren. Yeah, and and as she said, uh, for Hope, that she's actually gone so far as to officially adopt them, which does further help in this whole scenario. So, Hope, there's a few things here that we don't really know for sure about your situation, so we're going to give you some different scenarios And then you can take that information and go to the Social Security Department with your details and go from there. So one of the things that that we're not sure about is if you are continuing to work and earn income uh, at any level or not. If you are under the working income limits, which is $21,240 currently, then it is possible that your adopted grandchildren under age 16 might receive what we will loosely call a mother's benefit. Um, that's not an official title, but it would it, it's the same as if you were a parent with a child that age. And so there is a possibility there if the age of the grandchildren is under age 16. That is one possibility for you to pursue. Now, on the widower's benefit, and what she knows probably because she's coming up on age 60. If Mm -hmm. she does take the widow's benefit at age 60, it is going to be a reduced amount, but she can take that. The widow's benefit would strictly be the widow's benefit. But when it comes to her Social Security, and and I think that's, for me, there's a little bit of uh, uh, clarity needed on the question, can my grandchildren get some of my Social Security? Let's talk about that. To receive the benefits, for the grandchild to receive a benefit off of your uh, social security and to just to clarify and be clear not the widow's benefit off of your benefit correct the grandchild must have begun living with you before age 18 this is from the social security website by the way and received at least one half of his or her support from you mm-hmm. for the year before the month you became entitled to retirement or disability insurance benefits or died so that would include a death for a survivor's benefit there. So in other words, if you already have adopted them and you are 59 years old you and you support them with at least half of their support, it looks like she would be able to uh, get a benefit for the grandkids off of her Social Security benefit. Well, and, and what we haven't touched on yet is, Hope, uh, about your husband um, relative to the grandchildren. Yeah. I don't know when your husband passed away, if the grandchildren were already still living with both of you at the time that, that he was still living. Uh, that can play into this as well because they might be eligible for a benefit through your husband's earnings through the Social Security system and not have to... Uh, not have to play off of this whole scenario of the widow's benefits. So there's so there's some questions we have there about timing. Another scenario, and you didn't make mention of this, so I, I doubt that this is the case, but if the grandchild is disabled and under the age of 18, then you might also qualify for a mother's benefit in that situation. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a 
there's quite a few caveats here for you to chase. Um, I would encourage you to um, take the time to get all of the information together that you need to have to go and talk with somebody at the Social Security Administration and, and work through this. Yeah, and you can also uh, reach out to someone here at GenWealth, mm-hmm. and we have a Social Security Analyzer that program that we can put, we can plug in the numbers that you do have and kind of create a scenario, a claiming strategy, if you will, that could help you maximize your benefits. And we can do that in advance of you going to the Social Security Administration because a lot of times what that allows somebody to do, especially somebody in a circumstance that is as unique as yours is, it allows you to go in armed with information because what we have seen in the past is that if there's a very nuanced situation, which it really does sound like is the case for you, then it is much easier for you to go in and go, I know that I can claim in this particular way and maximize my benefits because, Scott, it is not the job of the Social Security Administration, frankly, nor are they allowed to give you financial advice. And that that goes down to what claiming strategy would be in your best interest. They're not allowed to tell you that. And so it, it is important for you to go armed with that information. Well, hope I, I hope that helps. And I do want to mention, too, that there that got a lot of feedback when she asked that question mm-hmm. on YouTube from other people who were trying to help out and wondering some of the same things. We know that uh, John uh, Shrewsbury made a video about Social Security that was one of our most watched videos online. Apparently, people are very interested in Social Security, yeah. right? So we want to offer you an opportunity to get some more information. We have a Social Security workshop coming up next week, May 16th at 630 at the Delta Hotel in Little Rock. Now, this is free. This is a free event. We have uh, someone coming in who does these Social Security workshops quite often, Matt Emanuel, who's even done one for us last Mm -hmm. year. This will be the second one he's done for us. Uh, Good friend of Gen Wealth, and he is doing this for us, and it is free. We will actually also uh, have dinner available, but seats are limited to this. So if you do want to come it is filling up fast we can tell you there are really just only a handful of seats left mm-hmm. until we're going to reach capacity if you want to uh, be part of the social security workshop on may 16th at 6 30 visit get ready for the future.com forward slash social security and you can register and reserve your free seat all right moving on on the get ready for the future show answering your questions and if you have some you can call or text them to us at 501-381 5228. You can leave a voicemail if you call, or you can just text us and maybe hear your question answered on the air. Just like this one from Austin. Austin from Little Rock says, Everyone says I should have a budget. Well, we need some ominous music right there. <laughs> but my income is high enough to cover my living expenses with leftover cushion. I'm saving 10% and maxing out my match. So do I really need a budget? Hmm. That's a great question because I do think you can free flow through life and be just fine. Like it's okay. Yeah. You're not going to have a problem if you've got margin in your life and you're never really worried about overspending. But let's kind of break that down and talk about what you might be leaving yourself vulnerable for. I do want to point out a key word that you just said, and that is margin, because I guarantee you there are other people besides Austin from Little Rock who are listening to this and going, 
I don't have a budget either. I think they're telling me this is okay, <laughs> you right, know, right. but they're, but they don't have margin in their lives. Yeah. So Austin is living without a budget and he's saving 10% and he's maxing out his match. So he's checking some very significant, important boxes and doing okay with this. Um, I will say, Austin, you are not alone in not having a budget. There's an article from Credit Donkey that says that 32% of U.S. households prepare a monthly budget. And what that means is 68% don't. Hmm. And so you, you are, you're not alone in this. And frankly, Scott, I was kind of surprised that it's basically a third of them who do. I, I, I would have thought that that would have been much lower. Well, it I, doesn't say they stick to it. Yeah, that's true. It's just that they prepare <laughs> yeah, exactly. it like once. You yes. Know. Um, Austin, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be real transparent here about the Walker household. Um, we have gone through lots of different phases of life. Uh, my daughter actually just mentioned this one to my, my son, uh, recently because he's at about the same stage of life as, as the part of my life that she was talking about. And she was telling him, you know, we've still got that notebook from when mama was in college and you can tell how much she spent on milk and on grapes and everything because I didn't just have a grocery budget. Like I wrote down every single thing that I bought. I'll say that's OCD and I didn't do it for a long time. <laughs> um, but that was way pre-financial advisor. I had no point at that, or no knowledge at that point in my life that I would ever even be in this industry. I was just trying to understand the flow of money. I was very young. I was a, a late teenager in college and trying to figure out life. And so I did it for a period of time to really get a grasp on what I was doing. Um, for a long time, we did cash envelopes, uh, the whole Dave Ramsey cash deal. Um, I stopped doing that when my mom was behind me in Walmart one day. And Scott, she looked at me and she looked at the buggy of groceries and she looked at the cash that was going to be used for that buggy of groceries. And she said, People can see that. Put it away. You know, like she was pretty sure I was going to get killed for the grocery money, which, you know, it, it's it's 2023. So that was probably my mom's wisdom then. Um, so we got to the point where we didn't do physical envelopes, but we still tracked what we were spending. And and I will say at this point, there is an ebb and flow to that. We have a looser budget than what we used to have. And that's OK but we do still have parameters on that. And, and I think it's important, Austin, um, to look at whether there are opportunities that you might want to do, you might want to partake in that you're not doing right now. Um, potentially, you could accelerate your retirement timeline yep. if you wanted to really focus on adding more to retirement. So there's a lot of opportunity without having to be restrictive. And, and I think that's the key in in budgeting the right way, maybe you just need to look at it periodically and see where you are and not really have to be tied to a budget per se. I think that's where I am with this. It's not necessary. The budget really indicates the month to month, the day to day. Yeah. And, and maybe he's good on that. But what creating a budget can do for your future mm -hmm. is really the differentiator for me because and, and budgeting, quite frankly, is so easy today. You know, you don't have to do that handwritten oh, how yeah. much you spent on grapes. You can yeah. plug all these things into your, your credit card. If you have a credit card, they probably do it for you. If you have mm -hmm, your, mm -hmm. a lot of budgeting tools online, and what you can do once you set that up is you can see where am I spending all of this money. I, I have a funny story on that yeah. though. <laughs> so one of the first times that we started doing this, um, our our church has attached to it a little cafe. And I, I don't hardly ever buy anything at the cafe, 
but the bank had to determine what category to put our giving in. And it it made our giving look like we were spending that much at a restaurant. (laughs) And, And so I see the restaurant percentage and I'm like, holy cow, did my husband take out like, you know, the whole neighborhood? What is this? It was giving, but but they've gotten better at, you know, how they read things like that over the years. Yeah. So I, I do like the electronic opportunities to, to utilize what's out there. Uh, it, it really can make this a whole lot easier. Yeah, and I think when you do that, you can say, okay, I'm really, you know, I've got a closet full of clothes. I don't really need to be spending X amount like I've been spending on average on clothing. Maybe I can back off of that because... You know, you may end up throwing a lot of these things you buy away, right? I think mm-hmm, that's the, that's mm-hmm. where the analysis or budgeting can really help. And then you can divert, as Janet has already alluded to, more towards your retirement or, or even more towards intermittent saving in, or intermediate saving, I should say. I was almost thinking intermittent fasting there. Inter, <laughs> intermediate saving, like intermediate goals, like things you may want to go on a big vacation and you don't have to mm-hmm. wonder where that money is going to come from. You can bolster your emergency savings. There's a lot of other places you can divert funds to once you've analyzed what you're actually spending money on. And then the one final thing I would say about two is if you are a high income earner right now, then you're likely going to want to live on more retirement mm-hmm, income mm-hmm. than the average retiree. Think about that. So your, your need to save more for retirement is there. But your standard of living has likely increased over the years as your income has increased, and, and hopefully you've gotten more cushion in there as well. But, Scott, that is a very valid point, that somebody who makes uh, $45,000 a year compared to somebody who makes $400,000 a year, their retirement income goals are very different. So it, it is important to keep that in mind. All right. Well, thanks for uh, the question, Austin. And if you have a question, again, call or text them to the number 501-381-5228. 501-381-5228. Or as Hope did, you can ask us a question on YouTube. We'd be glad to see it there. Anyway, uh, you can get the question to us and we see it. We'd be glad to use it on the air if we have the opportunity. So as we wind down the show today, we've got time for one more question. And it comes to us from Wayne. He's in Sheridan. Wayne says, I'm 68 and staring retirement in the face, but the inflation rate and the possibility of it going higher scares me to death. How do I make sure I not only account for, but overcome inflation if I'm not actively getting a paycheck? Great question from Wayne. Inflation is one of the three big risks retirees will always face, and we are feeling the effects of that more now than we have in decades with inflation running hot for the last two years. I do want to take one moment to plug the fastest four because we're talking about inflation this week on the fastest four, and we're even talking about how to deal with it as an investor. And if you don't get the fastest four minutes in finance delivered to your email inbox every week, here's how to do it. You can text the word FAST to that same number that we've been giving you, 501 381 5228-501-381-5228. Text the word FAST to us, and we will be able to send the Fastest 4 Minutes in Finance video to your email inbox every Friday morning. And that's all we're going to do. We're not, we're not going to bug you with phone calls. We're not going to uh, try to get you to uh, book an appointment by giving us your phone number. All we want to do is give you some free education about the markets, the economy, and anything to do with retirement or your money. And we're talking about inflation this week. But let's talk about the question from Wayne 
when it comes to the inflation rate. Now, what we do know, Janet, is it is going down. That's yeah. the good news. Yeah. Uh, back just today, as we record this show on Wednesday, May 10th, uh, the April inflation rate came out, and it is under 5 for the first time in two years, mm-hmm. but still high, still high. And rents are going up. Uh, food price is still going up. Energy did decline. But we know there's a constant here. Over the last 60 years, the average inflation rate's 3.8%. Mm-hmm. So you know that your buying power, on average, in retirement, is going to go down by about 3%. So you have to have a plan in place to whatever income number you start with on day one of retirement, it goes up over time. So I, I think your key phrase here that you're looking for, Wayne, is the ability to outpace inflation. Yeah. That's, that is the primary goal. And here's one of the ways that you don't do that. Um, a lot of people, and we've, we alluded to this on another question earlier, a lot of people, as they get uh, closer to retirement, or in your case, farther into retirement, then at that point, they begin to go, okay, I'm really scared of these longer term investments because of how much they fluctuate at any given point. And so they begin to go very conservatively. So Let's think about a CD as an example. If you put $100 in a CD, now they're paying between 4 and 5%. So let's just say a year down the road that you've got $104. Well, think about what happens. You, you do have more dollars. So you've, you've made this conservative play, or it felt conservative, and you had $100. Now you have 104 It feels like a win, but we're not done yet. Who's going to want a portion of your earnings? Uncle Sam is going to want a portion of them, and the state of Arkansas is going to want a portion of them. And so you have to deal with state and federal taxes that take some of those $4 that you have. And then you have the the very question that you've asked about, you have the impact of inflation. So let's say that after you've paid your state and federal taxes, that instead of $104, you now have 103 well, with, with inflation at just below 5%, you're actually at about $98 or so in spending purchasing power. So your $100 is now really worth 98 Even though you have $103, it's really only worth 98 The reason I take the time to go through that is that the answer is not to be ultra-conservative. We have to seek the ability to outpace inflation with some of our investments. Now, that having been said, Scott, you and I both have dollars that are conservatively labeled, you know, for ourselves. There's there's always going to be money that we don't have exposed to the, the growth-oriented uh, mindset, you know, that we would look at on more long-term investments. We want those dollars to be conservatively invested or conservatively held, I wouldn't even say invested in some cases, the, the cash and money market type of instruments. In that case, it's for the purpose of preservation and safety, not for growth. But Scott, talk a little bit about the, the buckets and mm-hmm. the portions that we would have focused on outpacing inflation. Yeah, I think what we said earlier to one of the other questions is you can't view retirement as a full stop when it comes to your investment strategy. So it's not risk all off or risk all on, it is a diversified approach that identifies, first of all, the amount of income you want to receive on a monthly basis from those assets. And that comes through the planning process. It's hard to identify that number if you don't walk through the planning process. So the planning process here at GenWealth will tell us, let's say it's $2,000 a month that we're trying to pull 
over time, we're going to increase that by a 3% inflation-adjusted raise. The $2,000 a month that we're going to spend on day one of retirement is going to be the risk-off money because we're not concerned about inflation with the money we're spending today. What we're concerned about is market volatility. So we don't want the value of the amount of money in that bucket to go down while we're trying to pull $2,000 a month. So that's risk off. But then as we step out time horizon-wise, every five years as a general rule, we're going to take a little more risk on, which gives us the opportunity to receive a little more reward. Stocks and real estate are the only two asset classes that have historically outpaced inflation. So you have to believe in equities, and we believe real estate has a place in your portfolio as well to be able to outpace inflation. But we're not going to put money in those type investments and expect to sell them for a, at least a 10 to 15 year time horizon, which allows the volatility to hopefully work itself out. So that means, Wayne, for you, as you're, you're talking about, you're 68, you're staring retirement in the face, when, not if, but when the market fluctuates in the direction that you don't want it to fluctuate, and that's, that's going to happen. Uh, when it does that, it needs to be just with a portion of your assets and you realizing that even though I'm 68, I've still got 10 to 15 years before I need this portion of my assets. Yeah. And Wayne, if you, our process here at GenWealth is called the Ready to Retire process. If you're interested in learning more about that or anybody else listening uh, today that would like to learn more about that, you can call toll-free 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526 and speak with a GenWealth advisor, book an appointment or book a phone call and just ask some questions about the Ready to Retire process and how we plan uh, to outpace inflation in retirement. You heard the bell a few seconds ago. That means it's time for our final thoughts. Janet, we'll start with you. I'm going to take an opportunity to refocus on Social Security. We had a great question uh, through YouTube on that and a good little conversation that ensued from Hope's question about Social Security. If you need more information about Social Security, uh, just go ahead and get this on your calendar. Uh, on May 16th, we will be at the Delta Hotel in West Little Rock. Registration is free, but seats are limited. You do have to reserve your spot. And as Scott indicated earlier in the show, those those uh, the seats are running out. We've only got a, a handful of seats left at this point. So if you would like to join us, all you need to do is go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com. That's GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash social security and you can register there and uh, bring your questions. Uh, she did hers on YouTube, but you can bring your question to the workshop, and we will get those answered live for you there. My final thought is whether you uh, are dealing with Social Security, whether you're 47 thinking about retirement planning, whether you're staring retirement in the face at 68 and worried about inflation, or whether you just want to know whether I should budget and how much should I save for retirement, the answer is to plan and to not go it alone planning can make all the difference with all of these questions that you have. And if you have questions for next week's show, call us or text us at 501-381-5228. That is all the time we have for this week's Get Ready for the Future show. As always, we thank you so much for being with us. Get those questions to us. We are enjoying uh, the feedback that we're getting on going to that format, and we will have four more of them again next week. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. 
And if you want to help us get the word out on building towards financial independence, leave us a rating and review. The GenWealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial.